Grace to you and peace from God, our Creator and our Savior, Jesus Christ. First, let me say how wonderful it is to be with you. I give thanks for your rector, Beth, for inviting me to preach today. And I give thanks that I'm going to be like one of the money changers in the temple and peddle my memoir after church. (laughs) I have to say it's wonderful to be back. I I think of St. Michael's as has a warm place in my heart. And I was, as I was writing this sermon, I was thinking, I think these people will understand what I'm talking about. So that's a compliment to you. Because I'm going to preach today about what Paul calls holy foolishness. One of the many things I love about your congregation is your willingness to be fools for Christ instead of being a church machine. In my short experience with you, I never felt like I was part of the church bureaucracy, but rather I was part of a family who prays together, who laughs together, who works together. But even so, we all need to hear this epistle today because we are infected by the world we live in. And so Paul is writing to the early Christians in Corinth because he's afraid they have forgotten their mission. He's afraid that they have forgotten they are to follow Jesus. And therefore, everything that happens to Jesus will happen to them. He's afraid they have turned the good news of Jesus into a works righteousness, where if we do the right things, then we get rewarded. He's afraid that they've done what human beings have a tendency to do, which is to identify their importance by what they own, what they do, what people say about them. Possessions, power, prestige. And so what happens when we get stuck in that way is that we know that that's not really the way that we have a sense of who we are, and therefore we have to find someone to denigrate. We have to find someone to look down upon so that we feel better about our own ego. In this sort of world, it's not enough to be saved. You have to know that you can gloat over all the people who are not saved. And so Paul is trying to tell us that when we are connected to Jesus, We let go of our sorting machine. We let go of our ways that we have mapped our world. Because we are all sinners. We're all in need of God's redemption. And once you embrace the cross, then you will seem foolish to people that have no idea what you're talking about. And let's face it, Jesus himself has no taste Jesus loves everybody. And in that sense, Jesus tells us this is what is required to be a fool for Christ. If we do not do that, then we will lose our way. If you think about, I was thinking about this, about Jesus' last words. And what does he do? He doesn't find people to blame. He doesn't say, let's all get angry at Pilate and spend our lives being angry at him for the rest of our life. No, he turns to the person beside him who happens to be a criminal on the cross. And what does he say to him? He doesn't list out all the things he did wrong. He says, today you will be with me in paradise. 
And then he turns to his mother and he turns to John the disciple who are both facing loss. And what he says to them is to John, this is now your mother. And to Mary, this is now your son. When we get to the cross, we discover a new family. We discover a new connection. We discover a new vocation. Because the old ways of categorizing the world have been erased. And everyone gets to start over. And and what happens is we discover the love of God is always bigger than we think it is. Always wider than we ever imagined. It is beyond our comfort zone and yet is our salvation. As Paul writes, has God... Has not God made foolishness the wisdom of the world? So it's no wonder that Jesus turns to the criminal and says, you will be with me in paradise. Has God not made foolishness the wisdom of the world? So what does that mean for us in today's time? Well, I'm not a computer geek. You can probably imagine that. Uh, But I think there's a metaphor In that, in Christ, through the Holy Spirit, we get a new operating system in our mental computers, a new way of seeing, a new way of being, a new way of relating. Remember Pentecost. Everyone spoke in a different language. Everyone was voted with different people. And yet they all understood one another. It didn't matter what their race was. It didn't matter what their sexual orientation was. It didn't matter how they voted. It didn't matter what they owned or didn't own. Suddenly they were in a holy communion. I think about that. I think about that particularly where we are as a nation. And therefore, what is our calling as the church? Instead of thinking about the Holy Communion as a Sunday event, to think about the Holy Communion as our calling. This is what we're here for. This is why we get fed today. Is to go into the world and spread the good news. And it's not about saying you need to come to St. Michael's because we need your pledge card. It's about saying you are a member of the family of God. And if I could see you correctly, I would see the face of Christ in you and dare to believe you might see the face of Christ in me. It's easy to get lost. It's easy to forget. It's easy to find someone to blame. But we just need to come back to this. God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom. And God's weakness is stronger. I was going to tell you about my struggle with alcohol and how I learned that God was the only one that could deal with my addiction. I was going to tell you about what it was like to not be able to conceive of children and how my faith was increased when I discovered that 
not had, which had nothing to do with any of our worth, that we were given two wonderful children through the grace of God by adoption. But I actually didn't write that in the sermon, so I'm not going to talk about that. <laughs> what I really want to talk about is a film called Wonder. Have any of you seen the film called Wonder? Well, you can spread the good news in coffee hour, right? It's about an 11-year-old named, boy named Augie. And Augie is born with a congenital abnormality that has misshapen his face. And he's so ashamed of the way he looks that most of the time he has a space helmet that he puts on so that people can't see him. And more to the point, he cannot see people's reaction to him. He refuses to go to school because he doesn't want to encounter people who will say things about him. But when he's in the fifth grade, his mother says, it's time for you to go to school. And so he does. But as he enters that world, he gets caught where we are often caught. He wants to believe the world can be different. He wants to believe that he will be accepted by who he is, but he hits this wall of rejection, which pushes him into a place of despair. And so when he goes into the lunchroom, he sits all by himself at a table because he's too afraid of what his other students will say about him. He hits this wall of rejection and I think about this, and I, so I think about this film to this week, I was thinking, this is sort of where we're stuck as a nation. <laughs> we get in the lunchroom together, but we're afraid to be together. We get caught in a division that maybe hasn't been around for many, many decades. And so it's as if our, our brother and sister Republicans and our brother and sister Democrats feel that if they actually work together, they get the plague. And therefore, they have to separate. It's as if our whole country has become an elementary school and we're stuck in the lunchroom forever. And so what happens is we spend our time by blaming those people. If only those people were different, wouldn't my life be better? Well, the good news is in the film Wonder, there's a, a young African-American girl named Summer, and she dares to cross the divide. She walks across the lunchroom and sits with Augie. And because of her example, Augie's friend who got afraid of him because of the, of the noise with, of his classmates, Jack, he dares to go and sit with Augie too. Once I was blind, but now I see. And gradually, other students come over and it changes Augie's life and because of that, it changes their life. At the end of the movie, Augie and his friend Jack are in this science fair, which I know nothing about, but they create something called the camera obscura, which I know nothing about. But the point is when you enter into this box and you look out, uh, everything looks upside down. And so uh, when you exit the box, everything comes back to be clear. And I think about that as a metaphor. We have gotten into this box where everything is upside down. 
And the question is, how do we get out of it? And how do we help our brothers and sisters get out of it so that everything gets clear? And I think as followers of Jesus, we know there is a way. We know there is the way for us to get there. Because we are not a people who are in a plague. We are all children of God. And therefore, if we want to see the face of God in someone else, it will be in someone very different from us. But God is inviting us to do that work. No one is a monster. Everyone is a child of God. Nancy Pelosi, Donald Trump, make your own list. So, just like Summer, just like Zach, our mission is to cross the divide of the lunchroom, to move our feet, because sooner or later we all get stuck, we all get confused, we all get mistaken, we're all sinners in needs of God's redemption. But what we need to remember is the promise we made in our baptism to seek and serve God in all persons. Let's try that again. To seek and serve God in all persons. And to remind ourselves that they are wonders. That they are wonders. That they are the face of God. So, my brothers and sisters, this is the time for the church. We are in the Holy Communion business, not just here, but when we go out. And if we do that, not only will we be blessed, but we will be a blessing to a broken world. May it be so. Amen.